Welcome to Alex Speaks, the number one rated interview podcast in Sacramento by an 11-year-old. Each week, Alex brings you insight, advice, and wisdom from Capital City community leaders and his mom. And now the host of Alex Speaks, Alex Grievous. Hello and welcome back to the Alex Speaks podcast where we tell jokes and learn more about community leaders in Sacramento. I haven't made an episode in a while, but I've had a lot of fun since the last episode. First, I got an iPhone 7 from my mom. I really like the phone and it's a really good phone that I can text my friends and family on. Then I went to Gridley and went to a school that my family went to called Manzanita School. I present much in my book, Awesomely Earned, which you can go buy on my website, www.alexgrievous.com. And met my mom's favorite teacher, Miss Walther. It was really fun, and people told me that they felt inspired. And I had an interview with Sacramento News and Review. It's joke time. I bring a joke, and my guests bring a joke. My joke is, why did chocolate go to outer space? I don't know. Why? Because it wanted to find the Milky Way. <laughs> Miss Anna, what is your joke? Um, AU. AU. Oh. Uh, AU. A, A me. What? You didn't like it? That joke was gold. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Today I have a, a very special guest. See, when I was four years old, I was diagnosed with autism. So I had to do programs to help help my me be to help me be better with understanding different things about autism. ABA was one of them and Miss Anna was one of the people who helped me. After her degree in psychology, Anna knew that she wanted to to work work for the autism spectrum and then ever since then her entire career has consisted of working intimately, intimately? intimately with both autistic children and adults while also providing consult for their families. She also seen she has also seen firsthand how applied behavior analysis ABA, the primary flavor of autism therapy, harms autistic children and misinforms their families. For the past few years she's worked tirelessly to advocate on behalf of autistic children who might have been victim by misinformed holistics on ABA Cure Crusades. Um, so welcome to the podcast, Miss Anna. Thank you for having me, Alex. So I used to have ABA tutors that come over to my house four days a week. For everyone who doesn't know, ABA means Applied Behavioral Analysis. Miss Anna was one of my tutors who really helped me. Will you share what it, what is, well, what it, was like to work as an ABA tutor and to me and many other people. Yeah, I think that working as an ABA tutor, I got to be around people who were similar to me and they really showed me, um, yeah. <laughs> um, hmm, what was it like working as an ABA tutor? <laughs> well, it was confusing because sometimes I would be told to do things that I didn't agree with that um, that either certain kids' parents they wanted to have done or that, you know, my supervisor thought was best. 
Um, but other times I was on board and I thought that I was making a really big difference and I think that I did. So it's confu it's a mix, you know? <laughs> so what was your most... Oh, wait, you already answered that question. Um, <laughs> girls are not diagnosed with autism as much as boys are. So what do you... Th why do you think that is and what does that mean for girls with autism? So why do I think that girls are not diagnosed as often? Yeah. Oh, there's a lot of reasons, maybe at least five different reasons, but one of the biggest reasons is because for uh, most, of the, most of the time that psychology has known about autism, um, it has been based on studying boys. So when Hans Asperger first started to, disco to discover autism and started to explore it, and also um, Leo Kanner was another person in history who explored autism. When they started to collect their data, they collected it based off of all, all young boys. So then that became the standard for how we see autism today, like what autism is supposed to be and what it looks like. So when you look at a list of criteria of autism, it's based off of only looking at boys, mostly. And so we've kind of just carried that on throughout history. Um, another reason is that for some reason, girls and boys are different. We don't know if it's because they're different genetically or biologically, that they're wired a little bit differently, or we don't know if it's because of how we're socialized. We're not really sure what causes what in terms of why boys and girls are different, but they are for some reason. Like even when you start to look at a young boy with autism and a young girl with autism, you'll notice that um, young boys don't really care too much about fitting in. They want to fit in and they want to connect, but they're okay with who they are and their identity as they are. So if a young boy likes something and everyone around him doesn't, then he's just going to say, well, that's who I am and I'm okay with that. But if a, if a young girl is autistic, she's going to do whatever she can to try to fit in. She's going to work really, really, really hard to try to appear normal. And so what you see with girls and women with autism is that they do something called masking. And it's almost like wearing a mask. So when they go out in public, they are like almost like acting and pretending to be neurotypical so that nobody knows when they're out in public or when they're talking socially or even when they're at school that they're autistic because they're playing a role of being just a normal everyday person you know and so when they get home then all of their autistic traits come out and so young boys and young girls are both very eccentric in terms of being on the spectrum but sometimes you'll only see those eccentricities when uh girls are like in a comfortable situation like at home so uh, yeah so i've i've talked about on well i i have talked on this show about how important it is to advocate for others how do you advocate for yourself and others? Um, well, I think that I try to do two things. One is I try to help other autistics heal their emotional wounds that they might have developed from living in a neurotypical world today. So I think that every autistic person has some kind of pain or something about them that they feel deeply misunderstood and they need to learn to advocate for themselves. So I try to help other autistics not only heal, but learn to advocate for themselves. And another thing that I'm trying to do is to explain to the world what, um, what an autistic perspective is like, what it feels like to be autistic, what it is like to be autistic, and to help the world understand, other neurotypical people understand, so that these same wounds won't keep happening for future generations of autistic people. So 
How did you feel when you first found out you were diagnosed with Asperger's? Oh, <laughs> well, it was interesting because what happened is that pretty much all of my boyfriends have been autistic and I didn't know it. <laughs> so ever since I was, you know, in my 20s, I've dated different people and they were all autistic. And one person that I dated knew he was autistic and he had been diagnosed with Asperger's. And I actually didn't know anything about Asperger's or how to interact with him. And sometimes I would have trouble interacting with him. And so I went to the internet and I googled, you know, like how to help people with Asperger's. And what happened is some link came up about women with Asperger's. <laughs> and so I started to read about what it's like to be a female with Asperger's or autism, which we now call autism. And I saw myself, like <laughs> the whole entire list was just me. Like every single thing, it was like someone had written out my entire life right there on that list of all these traits. So I actually went to what's called a mania where you're super, super excited and you can't sleep and you, you're just like so thrilled that your whole life has changed. And so I couldn't sleep for like three days, Alex, because I was just like, it was such a paradigm shift. I was just like, oh my goodness, my whole world has been toppled upside down, you know? And so after that, I ended up um, going to find a psychologist and I was in Santa Cruz at the time and I found a psychologist who specialized in um, autistic people and, and special and knew about autistic women. So she had read a bunch of books on autistic women and stuff. And when I saw her, she said, yeah, you know, you're autistic or you have Asperger's. At the time it was called Asperger's, but for the last DSM, they took that out and now it's all one thing, which is autism. <laughs> So there's a lot of on your website, but you said that you got burned out, right? Yeah. So how do you do? How did you deal with the burnout, and how do you make yourself feel better? Huh. Autistic burnout is very interesting. It's something that I would say is more of an issue when you become an autistic adult. <laughs> um, how did I deal with the burnout? I think that the most important thing to do is understand that autistic burnout is natural. So everybody experiences burnout, Alex. It's some, do you know what burnout is? Um, I've heard of it. So I watched this one YouTuber and she was like, well, if you have burnout, first deal with the burnout first. And then like maybe like treat yourself to like a, a really good like meal you like or like go or like clean up your workspace so it so you feel like you're not cluttered or, mm -hmm. or, or like get off social media because like it'll make you really stressed out. Yeah. So what do you think causes burnout? Um, when you work really hard. Yeah. And like, then like, like you keep like working and then like, for you it gets really hard and then like you just like, you can't sleep or like, it's really hard to do different things. Yeah. So burnout. I think everybody experiences burnout from being work from working too hard, like you said, right? So, but for an autistic person, they're not only working their job, but they're working on fitting into a society that they kind of have to adapt to. Because right now, most people are neurotypical, and autistic people are a minority, right? They're they're a smaller amount of people within a larger society, and so because that society hasn't completely learned to adapt to autistic people. Autistic people have to work really, really, really hard in order to appear normal or to be able to fit in enough to um, function in this society. And so not only was I working my job, but I was trying really hard to fit in. So those two things combined burned me out. And so when an autistic person goes into burnout, they basically can't function anymore. They 
sleep all day long or they can't get up, they can't feed themselves, they can't, you know, make their own <laughs> breakfast or anything like that. They have a hard time taking care of themselves and their brain just doesn't work anymore until they take time to heal. So the way that I think an autistic person should heal is by remembering that burnout is natural and it's it's okay and that um, you have to love yourself even if you're in burnout. I yeah. think that, like, the burnout part for an autistic person is kind of, like, sad because, like, they can't really, like, take care of themselves and, like, they're really upset. Yeah, like, sometimes if some if an autistic person is asked to do too much that they can't handle or, like, if they're in too much of a sensory overload, it's kind of like a mini burnout. So, have you ever experienced sensory overload? A lot of times, yes. Yeah, so basically if someone is experiencing that sensory overload over and over again and they're not taking time to, to heal, then they're going to end up in a burnout. Oh. <laughs> so it's like a longer-term shutdown. Oh. Yeah. So I got bullied for having autism and being different, but were you ever made fun of or because you were different than the other kids in school? Well, that's really interesting, too, because I think that's another difference between boys and girls. Boys will get bullied more, and it, girls bully girls in a different way than boys are bullied. So with girls, a lot of times they're just, like, socially shunned. So they're not, like, invited to things or they're not, you know, a part of stuff. So, so I think that I never experienced, like, being bullied directly, but it was more like feeling invisible, like I just didn't belong. Yeah, it, that's kind of what uh, happened to me. Yeah. It's like, most of the class would do something that they'd understand, and, like, I wouldn't understand it, and then, like, I'd be like, hey, I'm not, I shouldn't be a part of this. Like, I, yeah. like too, I don't really understand it. Yeah, so and then I'm you're like just, here. like, left out. Yeah. Yeah. So, how did you deal with, um, like, the, how did you deal with the different part of, of, like, being, like, not included in being things. That was a really bad word statement. <laughs> it's okay. So how did I how did I deal with not being included? Yeah. Well, I think for a long time I didn't deal with it. I just was not included. So, <laughs> but now I'm learning that um, I can be myself as an autistic person, and also I think it's really, really, really important to meet other autistic people because most of the time. It's not that anything it's not that anything is wrong with us as being as for being autistic. It's just that we're different and sometimes it's like culture is not understanding each other, you know? And so it's so important to find an autistic friend so that way you can connect with them in ways that other people might not understand or might not make sense to them, but it makes sense to you guys because you're the same. So a lot of times we think that autistic people have communication difficulties. But really, they just have communication differences. So, like, recently, there was a study that was done. Have you ever heard of the game Telephone? Yes. Yeah. So, like, Telephone is the one where you say something and then the next person, yeah, they have they, to, like, remember it and say it, right? Yeah, and then, like, it gets, like, mixed up and they're, like, like if you say, hey, uh, like, burger, then they'll say, like, uh, hamburger. Exactly. <laughs> and then, like, like, they'll mess it up and... Until so. at the end, it's like some totally different thing that was not even in the beginning because of like communication difficulties, right? Yeah. So, but what's interesting is they took a group of autistic people and they did telephone, and then they took a group of neurotypical people and they did telephone, 
And then they took a group of mixed neurotypical and autistic people and they did telephone. And what do you think happened as a result of all of them? Um, communication difficulties. Who do you think had the most communication difficulties? Autistic people. Nope. Oh, neurotypical. People. Nope. The people who were mixed. Oh. Yeah. So neurotypical people, when they were all together in a group and they played telephone, they had about the same amount of mix-ups as the autistic people who were all put in a group together. But when you combined neurotypical and autistic people, it was totally mixed up because they have more difficulties. It's like getting lost in translation. Like if someone had one language and someone had another language, then sometimes there's mix-ups, you know? And so it's important for autistic people to learn how to communicate with everyone else, like neurotypical people. But I would also argue that it's important for neurotypical people to also meet us halfway and to learn our language too. Yeah, so it's interesting. It's so. interesting that they played a game of telephone. <laughs> I, yeah, I wonder, like, I wonder how that, like, they get, like, I don't know how much people, like, 15 or so to just play one. Yeah, I wonder. We'd have to go look at the telephone. Study. Like, I can't even, like, I can't even get five of my friends to listen to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, like, have you ever heard someone say that an autistic person doesn't have empathy? Um... I think I think I've heard it somewhere before, but I'm not sure where I heard. Yeah, do you know what empathy is? Um, it's like caring for someone. Exactly, like being able to put yourself in that person's perspective and to feel what they feel. Like if they're upset, then you feel it too, and stuff like that. Well, it turns out that autistic people actually do have just as much empathy, or maybe even sometimes more empathy, than neurotypical people, but. It's just different. That's the only thing. It's kind of like, have you ever seen, like, um, Star Trek? Um, I've watched <laughs> The Next Generation with my dad. Oh, cool. So, like, you know how the Vulcans are just, they're just different, you know? They interact differently. But it doesn't mean that they don't care. They just care differently. Yeah. Yeah. So, I think that's something that we're starting to learn and see now, is that a lot of times... Um, something might seem like we've traditionally framed something about autism as being a deficit or a difficulty or um, some kind of flaw or something that is just not as good, you know, but actually it's just different. It's not any better or any worse. It's just a different way of being in the world and thinking. So, yeah. <laughs> so what do you like to do in your free time? What do I like to do in my free time? I like to do research. I like to study things and learn. And I like to spend time with my special interests. Um, I like to try to create. I love movies. I love books. Um, what else? I don't know. Oh, I like to go outside and be in nature, too. <laughs> okay. Uh, are you in college? I already graduated college, but I'm thinking about going back again for another degree. Oh, that reminds me of my mom. My mom's <laughs> in college, like... My college is, like, right now in the time of the recording. <laughs> and she's going back to be a therapist. That's so. what I want to go back to do, too. Really? Wow. Yeah. Yeah, she she wants to, like, help people in therapy. I should probably talk to your mom then, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think. She, she does really well in school. Like, she gets A's and B's, so. Cool. Yeah. So how did you start ABA, or, like... Um, well, how did I, so basically, I just really wanted to work with autistic people, and um, 
ABA is like the only thing we can do right now <laughs> with a psychology degree to work with autistic people. Like unless you like go to some other country or city or something. Like if I were to like look up jobs right now for like working with people with autism, it's almost always going to be ABA. So that's where I started. And I worked in ABA with you. And then I stopped for a few years and went to do other stuff like helping autistic college students and like being their coach. And then after that, I went back to ABA and I became a supervisor and I got a graduate degree, like a master's degree in ABA. Oh. Yeah. So I did that for, for like maybe two years. And then that's when I got the burnout because it just didn't fit for me. Um, so is there a program for the college? Like, to study ABA? Yeah. yeah. Not here in Sacramento, but I did it online in Florida. Oh. So, yeah. Okay. It was like an online graduate degree. So, what do you want people to know about autism? Um, I want people to um, listen to other autistic people about autism. <laughs> I want them to um, try to learn about autism from an autistic person's perspective and um, to try to understand why it could be harmful to treat autism like it's some kind of disease or that it's something bad or something that is a tragedy. A lot of times people feel sad when they hear that other people are aut are autistic and they should not be sad about that. <laughs> that's that's kind of hurtful because then it says that something about us is a tragedy and it's not. We are superheroes, Alex. There is a reason that we're here and we have something valuable to offer, just a different perspective that the planet needs to have. So, yeah, my mom when I was diagnosed, she said that she cried cuz like she didn't she it wasn't like in a hurtful way. She just didn't really understand how to like help me. Exactly. And then that's where ABA kicked in where she was like wait a minute, I can use this program to help my child. Yeah, and I do still think, I think ABA is super helpful, but we just need, we need more autistic people to help to inform ABA that, hey, sometimes what you're doing is not that helpful if you start to treat an autistic person like, you know, they need to be fixed or they need to be, try to be forced to be normal. Um, that's where ABA kind of breaks down for me. And so, and another reason is that ABA stands for Applied Behavioral Analysis. So what we're always looking at in ABA is the behavior. And so behavior is outside of you, right? So it's everything that's outside of you. Everything that someone else could see you doing is behavior. And they, so the people who created ABA, they thought that that was the only way that we could interact with autistic people and help them was by looking at their behavior alone because they couldn't understand autistic people. But now we know that we can talk to autistic people and we can understand um, what's going on from their perspective on the inside, you know, and their thoughts and their feelings. But ABA doesn't want to look at that, Alex. They only want to look at your behavior. Does that make sense? Yes, but why would they only look at the behavior when that's only like half of the spectrum? Exactly. It's only half of the picture, but all of ABA, even today, only wants to look at your behavior and not anything else. And so that's kind of where I realized that ABA is never gonna listen to what's going on actually inside of the autistic person's perspective and listen to, hey, we actually do have, you know, things going on inside of us that you, that would be very helpful for you to know so that you could help us in a different, better way. Like a lot of times when kids would have meltdowns, have you ever had a meltdown? Um. Yeah, sometimes. Yeah. I'm really upset, yeah. So ABA would teach me that, and parents, that we have to ignore you when you're being, when you're having a meltdown. Like, look away. 
don't pay attention and I thought that was a really hurtful thing to do because when you're having a meltdown you're in a lot of pain and you need support and you need to be hugged or whatever you need you know you don't need to be ignored that's hurtful so there are a lot of things like that about ABA that was just really there was no way that I could fix it so I need to help autistic people in a different way <laughs> so why is the why is spectrum work important to you why is it important I think it's important because most people who have an autistic person in their family, um, they don't mean to misunderstand you, right? And they just don't know. It's kind of like how you said your mom cried because she didn't know what to do. And most people mean well. They love, they love their autistic family members, right? And they want what's best for them. But um, unless they know what exact, unless they have an answer for why, Especially with kids, kids can't always explain themselves if they're autistic, right? They can't explain everything that's going on from their point of view. So I think it's important to have autistic adults who can help bridge bridge that communication difficulty so that autistic kids don't get hurt anymore. So how did you start your website, Spectrum Strong? How did I start it? What do you mean? Like, how did I create it or why? Yeah, why <laughs> and how did you create it? I'm, I'm confused. <laughs> oh, um, so why did you create Spectrum Strong? Um, I created Spectrum Strong because I realized that um, there's not a lot of help for autistic women. Then there's a lot of autistic women and they don't know what, they feel lost. Like even if they were to try to go to a therapist, the therapist wouldn't understand them. So right now there's they're just kind of like, have you ever heard the term falling through the cracks? Like someone just fell through the cracks? Um, I've heard of it, but I don't really know what it means. Yeah, sometimes those kind of sayings are confusing, huh? Yeah. It kind of means that like you're being ignored and so you're not being helped. And so you might be looked over in a way that, hmm, how else would I explain falling through the cracks? Typically falling through the cracks means that you've been missed or whatever the issue is has been missed. Yeah, so like maybe teachers didn't notice that you needed help and you needed help, but they didn't see it. So you just kept feeling more and more alone or let's like, okay, let's compare it to like math or something. Let's say that you didn't understand fractions at all, like when you were in a math class and all the other kids understood fractions, right? And your teacher, every time you'd come by, you, um, you like looked up the answers on your phone to your homework or something. And so every time your teacher came by, she thought, oh, Alex is doing a great job, right? And because she couldn't tell that you were looking up the answers on your phone. But then later you needed fractions, like you really needed to know them and there was no way to look up the answers. Um, but nobody noticed that you needed help. Um, then we could say that you fell through the cracks because you need help, but nobody can see around you that you need help. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, what would you say to your 11-year-old self? Oh, wow. <laughs> That's a deep question. <laughs> what would I say to my 11-year-old self? Wow. Don't worry. It's a hard <laughs> question for a lot of the guests on my podcast. Really? Yeah. I bet. I bet. Um, yeah, that's like what's called inner child work. Have you ever heard of that? Where you go back. Well, I guess you don't have to do it yet, but one day you might have to. <laughs> It's like when you're an adult and you go back to being, a, you go back and think about yourself as a child and you try to like help that child. Um, well, I would say that, I don't know, Alex. 
It's alright if you don't have an answer. I would say that it's okay that I'm that I feel the way that I do that I'm different. Um, because one day, all of that feeling of being different, of being invisible, of being lost, one day it'll help me to be able to help others. Well, that's a good guy. That's yeah. a good answer. <laughs> okay. And I think another good thing to talk about that I didn't mention is why a lot of people say um, I have autism or, um, oh, that's a person with autism versus saying I'm an autistic person or that's an autistic person. Does that make sense in terms of language that we use? There's a difference. Yeah, there's a total difference there, right? Yeah. So neurotypical people, which you know what neurotypical people are? Yes. Okay. So they thought it would be nicer for um, society to say, it's called person first language. Oh, like, so if somebody has a mental illness, we say, oh, that's a person with depression, right? They're not a depressed person because then that would define them totally. Right? So then they thought that it would also be considerate to say, oh, that's a person with autism. Right? But autistic people came along, adults, and they said, hey, you know, I am not a person with autism. Because autism, for one, is not something that is separate from me. So, like, it's kind of like if you said, oh, you're a person with uh, malehood, you know? <laughs> But you're a male, you're a boy. You're you you are like or if I said I'm a person with womanhood. But no, I am I am a woman, right? So and autism is not something that is separate from me. It's part it's such a big part of my identity that it's who I am. So it's not something I carry around in a little suitcase, you know, Anna and her autism over here carrying it around, right? Autism is something that is a fundamental part of my identity. And the reason why we say sometimes that it's a person with something is only when that thing is bad, right? Like if we, we don't wanna say, oh, that's a cancer person, right? Because cancer is a bad thing. But is autism a bad thing or a good thing? It's a good thing. Yeah, it's a good thing. So we don't need to say, I'm a person with autism. Hmm. Because autism isn't a bad thing that we need to separate from ourselves. Well, that makes more it's sense. It's a good thing, right? That yeah. That makes more sense. Yeah. <laughs> so, what is the misinformation that families get from ABA? What is the misinformation? I think the misinformation that families get from ABA is that autism is something that needs to be cured or to be sad about or to be fixed, right? And that we can only look at an autistic person from the outside to determine that by analyzing their behavior. So those are the misinformations that need to be that need to be um, discussed and resolved. I'm probably gonna get sued. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I edit well. You haven't been sued yet. <laughs> so, what? How is that information misinformation harmful? I think that misinformation is harmful because then. It teaches parents to treat their kids in a way that hurts them because sometimes they say in ABA that stimming is bad. Do you know what stimming is? Yeah, I do it all the time. Um, I shake my head back and forth or like I squirm around a lot. My friend, he like, instead of shaking his head, he claps up and down. Well, he claps and jumps up and down. It's Well, he's kind of in my book. It, I don't say his name because I don't say anyone's name in my book, but... um. <laughs> So, yeah, I know what stimming is. My yeah. mom told me about it a couple of times. Yeah, so sometimes ABA people, they'll only look at stimming from the outside, the behavior, right? 
And so if you were only looking at stimming from the outside of a person and just seeing them, you'd say, whoa, what are they doing? Like, why are they doing that? I've gotten in trouble for it a couple of times. Yeah. And so they'd say, oh, you know, stop doing that. You know, don't, or they'd say, we need to teach, we need to teach such and such to not do that at all. You know, but if you were to go ask autistic people, hey, like what is going on from your point of view? Why are you stimming? You know, we would say it helps us process better. Stimming is a way that we can interact with our environment to be able to think clearly, to create some kind of order, to be able to communicate better, and to manage our anxiety. Sometimes we're really anxious, and stimming helps us to release a little bit of that energy in order to be able to sit here, right? <laughs> so stimming should never be suppressed. It's always better to understand autism by asking an autistic person, but sometimes if your autistic person is a child, they're not going to be able to help because they don't know themselves even how to explain it, right? Like, so when you were little, you couldn't always explain why you were doing the things that you were doing. And if someone was confused, then it wasn't their fault. They just didn't know how to help. And they tried their best knowing what they knew. So can you tell me about your organization, Spectrum Strong, or tell me more about it? Uh, Spectrum Strong is a resource that I'm creating to be able to help autistic women and uh, girls to um, understand um, how to heal from their own stuff, you know, that that they've experienced and to also advocate for themselves. So what does your work look like now? What does my work look like now? Well, I actually, for the last year, I've been working with a company called Ultra Testing, and the whole company is just like all autistic adults working from home really? yeah doing software testing wow. so we look at different websites and stuff and find bugs like if there's like something wrong or a glitch that's all we do is just sit there and like interact and stuff like that so it's really cool because it's the first company that i've ever worked for that is neuro that focuses on neurodiversity it's kind of like what i do all day <laughs> except i except like i make games and fix glitches Cool. Yeah. So you're actually fix fixing the stuff. I'm just finding it. But yeah, so I've been doing that for like a year now. And now I decided that it's, I, I really love working with autistic people in that way, but also it's kind of lonely because they're all over the whole country and it's just on your computer working from home. So I realized that I really, really need to be helping people. And I'm going to try again to rebuild Spectrum Strong. <laughs> That's what I'm going to focus on for the next few months and possibly going back to school to be a therapist. So how is it different from B from ABA work? How is the job right now I have different from ABA work? No, how is Spectrum Strong? Oh, okay. Yeah. Spectrum Strong is different from ABA work because it is an autistic-focused organization. So Spectrum Strong is always looking at things from the perspective of an autistic person rather than their behavior. What's your website? Uh, we are spectrumstrong.com. So that wraps up our normal questions. Now I have my 10 quick questions. Are you ready? Yes. So favorite color? Purple. Favorite artist? Oh, wow. Artist. Oh, my goodness. Like a painter or something? Um, you can say painter, like singer. <laughs> okay. Um, let's do Frida Kahlo as a painter. <laughs> and then your favorite singer? Favorite singer. Wow. Well, I really like this group right now called Simon and Garfunkel. <laughs> oh, I, I know them. Really? Yeah. Uh, favorite TV show? Favorite TV show. Wow, this is these are hard, Alex. <laughs> There's so many. All I do is watch TV and listen to music and read books. <laughs> favorite TV show? Huh. I don't know. Um, 
Trying to think. Trying to think. <laughs> what would be it? I really, I really liked Sherlock. It's kind of older now, though. It was on the BBC. Hmm. <laughs> Need an app? No. <laughs> Favorite cartoon character. Favorite cartoon character. I really like um, this anime. This anime character named Princess Kaguya. First car. My first car was a Mazda protege. First job. First job. Oh man. I think like for a day I worked at this pizza place and then I gave up because I couldn't do it. <laughs> this is my job. Wow. Yeah, that's a good first job. <laughs> Favorite song. Favorite song. Hmm. Well, I, right now, I really just love, like, the whole Into the Spider-Verse soundtrack, so. Oh. <laughs> I love that soundtrack. I think my favorite one on there is Elevate. Oh. <laughs> um, favorite superhero? Um, I would say maybe, like, Spider-Gwen right now is my favorite, <laughs> but it always changes. I also mm. like Doctor Strange a lot. I thought he was cool. <laughs> uh, favorite sport? Favorite sport? Oh, man, I'm terrible at sports, Alex. Well, favorite sport to watch, then. I don't know about that either. <laughs> what would I watch if I were... I don't know. My grandma likes basketball. <laughs> I really liked playing... I only played golf on video games, but I was good at it. <laughs> I'm good at Wii Golf. Yeah, I played sounds... real-life golf. I wasn't that good at Wii Golf. Yeah. I'm his favorite school subject. Um, philosophy. <laughs> so, thank you for being on my show, Miss Anna. I... Thank you for helping me when I was younger in the in the ABA and and like it was really helpful for you to like understand what I was going through as a little kid when I didn't really understand a lot about the world. So how would you like to end this show and do you have any announcements? Um I would like to end this show by saying thank you for having me on here of and course. for allowing me to practice talking and using my autistic voice. Of course. And <laughs> My announcement is that I'm trying to be brave enough to start a YouTube channel. That's <laughs> that's my job. That's what I want to do. We need to just do it, Alex. <laughs> What's stopping you from doing it? I already have one. That's like 11 subscribers. So oh, wow. I need big. to subscribe. And it's fa I do family-friendly gaming videos. I don't talk in like half of them. I've only talked in one. But cool. It's really fun to do. Cool. So, but if you want to suggest a topic for discussion or an idea for the podcast, go to my email, well, speaks at gmail.com, and I'll see you guys next time.